Hello, my name is Hindel Grossman. I'm a divorce attorney in Newton, Massachusetts, and welcome to Inside Divorce, a podcast series published on the 15th of each month. Each guest is an expert in the field of divorce and has fascinating information to share. I hope you'll listen. So hello and welcome to Inside Divorce. Today I'm speaking with Jennifer, who is a former client of my law firm, um, a divorce client, and we're going to be talking about how she managed to get through the process through some ideas, wonderful ideas she has and thoughts she had about tools to get her through the process and now to enjoying another chance at happiness. So welcome, Jennifer. How are you? Thank you, Hindell. Thank you for having me today. Oh, my pleasure. So we've been talking a little bit more than actually usual after the case ended, and I'm so pleased about that because I enjoyed our relationship so much. And so we talked recently about you know your experience. So I was wondering if you could tell the audience just a little bit about yourself so they have some context for the rest of our conversation today. Absolutely. So again, um, my name is Jennifer, and I worked with Hindell and her team very closely over the last couple of years. I grew up in the D.C. area, and like many people that find themselves in Boston, I came up for college and stayed for grad school, and I love it here. I've been in education for about three decades. During that time, I met my husband, my former husband, and we had two really delightful, wonderful daughters together who are now in their 20s, equally successful. One's an accountant and one's an artist. So apparently they needed careers that started with A. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) you know, we did a really great job with them. And so, again, I I met my husband about 30, in our early 30s, and we really had similar wishes for building a family like most people do when they get married. When I look back on our marriage, I I think it was a success in that regard. How long were you married? We were married for 23 years. Like I said, we, we have two gorgeous daughters, and we really partnered well in that regard. I think... One of the things that I thought a lot about before I got married, particularly the week before I got married was, because I take commitments very seriously, is that it's hard to predict the future, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard to know how you will grow and change and what life will throw you and your partner through the years together. And I felt really blessed that my children changed me a great deal. I grew up through parenting them. I grew up tremendously from going from being a teacher to an administrator. It gave me a lot of growth opportunities and going back to school a few times. Uh And unfortunately, like, like many marriages, my husband and I grew apart. While that part remains sad, I'm really pleased that we were able to end our marriage, I think, really smoothly. And I think that's really due to Hindell and her advice and her team, and then the preparations that I had done in in advance of leaving the house, which I I think, Hindell, you said is an unusual thing for the wife to leave. It is. So a couple questions. One, did you work most of the marriage? Obviously, I know the answer, but for the benefit of (laughs) listeners. Yes, so I did. I, I worked after our first daughter was born. I went back to the classroom. After about six months, I had a nice maternity leave, taking advantage of this end of the spring term in the summer. And then two years later, uh, we had our second. And at the time, it was a cost prohibitive to send both to childcare. So I did a bunch of things. I tutored at the home while watching the 
our daughters. I also did a very brief stints outside the home supervising teachers for Tufts University. And I had a few side hustles that worked out really well until our oldest went to preschool. And the preschool director offered me a job because she was retiring. And so I I did a part-time preschool director gig in our neighborhood until both girls at the time, women now, were launched into their elementary school careers. And then I I went back full-time. So two years total with my side hustles and then uh, four years half-time and then I was back full-time. Yeah. Well, do you want to give a little color to the reason you you wanted to divorce? (sighs) Well, I think it was not unusual with a lot of couples. Communication was very challenging. I had a lot of stories to tell at the end of the day uh, of working in schools, and I didn't have that partnership in the communication at the end of the day. In a lot of, for many years, I was married for over two decades. That seemed fine because it was nice and quiet in the (laughs) evening. But as our, our daughters grew older and moved out of the home, it was so quiet and I was actually very lonely. And uh, I really wanted the marriage to work out. And so we did couples counseling and we tried to open up communication. I think I had grown a lot. And like my former husband said, he he was the same man I married. And that's a beautiful thing. It was just not what I needed anymore in, in a partner. Right. So talking about development and growth and change during a marriage. And you're right when you're thinking about getting married, you know, you can't predict the future and you don't know where you'll each turn into, who you'll each turn into being. And we had, a, you know, likewise, uh, many people have children in their 20s and they're also faced with supporting elderly parents. And in watching how my parents partnered in their later years and how his parents partnered, I had a really clear idea of, of what that would look like for me and the kind of person that I want to lean on. I don't tend to lean on people very much, but I wanted to have someone that I could do that or be by myself, which was, you know, how I've been since the last few years, uh, I say it's been only two years, and I've been really happy. Yeah, so you, you actually left the marital home in approximately September of 2019, right? I did. I did. Okay. I had, we had been talking about divorce for a while, and I felt it was going to be very difficult being in the home while going through a divorce. For sure. Uncomfortable at least, and very difficult and painful, you yep. know, in the worst case. So I made a, a plan to leave because it would make it much easier to be actually separated when we were going through the process. And I, knowing my husband for that long, I knew he wouldn't leave. So I really didn't have a choice. Uh-huh. Well, you did, but you made a choice. Mm-hmm. I, did. I did, I yeah. did. <laughs> you thought it through and you made a choice that you thought, and it was wise. You know, you had in- income so you could support yourself a bit and there were some assets you could use. Although there was a bit of a tussle about whether marital assets could be used to support you, right, during that time. Right. So we had always had joint accounts and we had joint savings. And I had really thought I was delegating the finances of the home to him while I did the grocery shopping and the working full time and right. those kinds of things. In our conversation, Sindel, you were so helpful in my understanding that I abdicated that role. You know, I actually gave that role over. And it was really important for me to come to terms with that because. When I did, I was able to be financially more independent. And I felt like during the divorce process that I learned a lot about 
managing finances and organizing finances. And I still thank your team every time I sit down at the, at the end of the month to <laughs> tell you what's going on. Oh, I'm pleased to hear that. It happens frequently. Your situation is common. Mostly women tend to abdicate that financial role in the marriage and take on other lots of other responsibilities. Well, I remember listening to one of your podcasts because one of the things I did before I decided to get divorced is I talked to a lot of friends who had gone through divorce, but I also listened to a lot of your podcasts and they really helped me guide my thinking in preparing to leave the home. So I you know, had to set up my own a bank account that was different from the joint. So in September, when my teaching paychecks came in, they would go to a new account. Right. I was able to do changes of addresses and arrange to live with a friend of mine, uh, an old friend. And so all of those things really helped it make a clean break. What about the credit cards? So yes, yeah, so my helpful mm. advice is to make sure you have a credit card in your name only, because I did not until I looked deep, deep, deep inside my purse and realized at some point I had taken out a TJX MasterCard for home uh-huh. goods and whatnot. Uh-huh. And I had never used it, but I had it for five years. And so I was able to get at least $5,000 worth of credit. And it really helped in in my uh, move after I was able to procure my, what I call my divorce apartment, my beige box that I so uh-huh. happily lived in while we were going through the process. I remember. So so we're talking about what things you would recommend other people do in preparation for divorce or even, I guess, during the divorce, just a framework. What is, what's your overview here? What would you suggest people think about? Well, I definitely feel like you should be prepared and patient and remain positive. And all of those things are difficult to do in different ways during the process. So just to know that what you can do ahead of time is be prepared. So I knew that my husband wasn't going to leave the house, so I had to. So I set myself up with all the things that I needed to do. I got my financial advisors in order. I got my friends in order. I made sure I had someone I could talk to when things got rough. Leaving the home, I really wanted to make sure I had my passport, my birth certificates, nice. copies of financial documents and taxes. And I think most importantly, photos and a few personal belongings that mementos that I wouldn't want to part with. Because as I learned later on, (laughs) it's quite hard to get those little objects back and it's quite costly. So if there's anything that you can't part with, it's nice to get those out ahead of time. What we're talking about just briefly is and laughing (laughs) about is that often in a divorce negotiation, we leave those little discussions about personal property to the end because it seems less important than dividing retirement accounts and real estate and other things. So we're talking, what I'm talking about is, you know, household items and China. So <laughs> usually that's left to kind of the end, but in Jen's case, there were a couple of important items that she wanted. And un- unfortunately the husband wasn't really left willing to let them go as easily <laughs> as we had hoped. And the very uncomfortable moving out, which happened after you know the divorce was final, there was a, a phrase, it's not on the list. Uh-huh. And, and that you don't really want to be in a situation where, you know, something important to you is not on the list. Mm-hmm. So, and as Hindel and I have talked a lot about, you know, there really isn't that much on my list. No, there wasn't. My most important thing were my relationship with my daughters, ending the divorce in a peaceful uh, way possible for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the things in the house were replaceable. 
as exactly. much as it was a hassle to buy more of that particular china it is available <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> and then the other part i think especially our divorce went through during the time of covid and so there was a lot of backlog um, even though we went through a very smooth i thought mediation process couldn't really get before a judge for a long time there were also things that were beyond Hindell's control time-wise and beyond my control time-wise. So there were lots of fits and starts. And so I thought when I was imagining divorce that I would file for divorce and we would work really hard for six months to a year, sometimes even two years, a lot of work every day. <laughs> and then at the end, it would be over. But in fact, you know, there are certain times when it's it takes a lot of time and it's time consuming and other times where it's just very quiet. And it's important for me as a client to sit with that quiet, recover from anything that was emotional, focus on work, focus on friends and family, and then uh, get ready for the next bout of conversations. Thank goodness for the quiet times, you know, because it does escalate at points, right? And then little it issues does. get resolved and then it quiets down for a while and you can live, sit with it. I actually think doing handling divorces and baby steps is good because then everybody can experiment with a new lifestyle and, and you know, their, where they live and their new relationships, and then they have a better idea of what they want and need in the end. I think that's really, really good advice. And a part of that being patient is trusting the process and yeah. trusting your team. And I felt that I always got really responsive and helpful advice when it was legal advice and when I needed relationship advice, I would go to someplace else. And if I was mm -hmm. emotional and I'd go to someplace else, because I imagine being a family attorney and working with divorces, very emotional. So it was nice working with the team that was very calm and reasonable throughout the whole process. I appreciate hearing that. That's what we strive to do for sure. Yeah. So we have be prepared and be patient as two of your three recommendations. Patience that you're absolutely right. And it's actually gotten in some cases, in some courts, worse, then we have to be even oh. more patient. But before we go to positive, mm -hmm. your third recommendation, I was wondering if we could talk about the process we used a bit to get your case resolved. How was that for you? Sure. And I've so moved on. Please fill in the holes if I don't remember <laughs> certain things. So I know that we you know, had an initial conversation. And I had spoken with a couple attorneys before we signed on Hindell. I had done some research, but you came out so highly recommended. That was really important. And then I believe that we did some financial statements. Is that correct? There was a process of looking at monthly income. So I had to look carefully at, you know, what my salary was, yeah. my benefits were, my expenses, it was the time of COVID, so there was no eating out. There oh, was no right. this. I was home and I was Expenses at work. Expenses were so. unusually low. <laughs> it was very low. So that was quite easy. And I remember at the time you said something very, very helpful that you said that this is going to be a, a process mm -hmm. that's going to happen on a regular basis. So I set up some systems with Excel and that allowed me to make these calculations pretty easily going forward. So mm -hmm. it didn't require a lot of heavy lifting. Each time when you had to update the financial statement, a good idea. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then there was really an accounting of all the accounts. And for me, that was very difficult because I didn't have access to our savings checking, nor did I have access to retirement 
And so I made sure that when I did get access, I created spreadsheets for all of the accounts that we held jointly. And then I had some education retirement accounts as well. And and it really helped me to this day, having at my fingertips all my passwords for all my accounts. And so I can check everything like on a regular basis, which I hadn't done before. So you know what you have. Mm-hmm. I know what I have and I know where it is. And and I think that as well, I reached out to my a former husband and said, we never really wanted to have this awful, messy, expensive divorce. And we had mentioned how we really respected people that were able to mediate. And so, Hindel, you prepared a nice list of, I think, two to three different mediators. And one in particular really appealed to me, a former judge and a professor of law at DC, and he was wonderful. And so we were able to sit down and really negotiate, I believe. We came in with what we wanted. Is that the case? Yeah, we used re- uh, retired judge James Menno, and there are several retired judges that we call upon as they call themselves conciliators because of their you know, obviously extensive experience as judges in probate court handling mm-hmm. divorces. So, you know, he asked each side for some paperwork, including the financial statements we were just talking mm-hmm. about, and probably the pretrial memo or some sort of memo as an overview of the case. He looked at them privately, and then we had a meeting with the four of us, the two attorneys and the two spouses, you and your husband, obviously, and he made some recommendations. So there were some questions we asked him, why he did this, why he did that. And, you know, in in your case, there was some discussion about inheritances and how that would be allocated. Mm -hmm. And so he gave us some feedback on that. And ultimately, most of his recommendations were just adopted by both sides, right? Right. I I think they were really reasonable and very fair. Uh, And I don't think you hear that a lot in divorces. No. In fact, we say fair is a four-letter word. So (laughs) we hope for fair. (laughs) So was it the conciliation memo? Mm -hmm. Involved in some writing about the marriage and the length of the marriage and this. So it's it's always good to write some notes and have those on the ready. Reflections on your marriage, you know, what was working, what didn't and what conduct issues. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So that was great. And then then it just took some time to see get before the judge, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So once we got the recommendations from Judge Minow, we drafted the final document, which is a separation agreement and that had to be circulated back and forth and redrafted and revised. But ultimately, we came to agreement. Everyone signed it, it was notarized. We filed it with the court. And then ultimately, we needed to have a hearing before the judge who was actually overseeing the case and got it approved. Yeah. So it was a lot of steps. And you're right. COVID did slow us down. I think I remember everything was pretty much settled within nine months, which was quite outstanding. I, I think, yeah. you know, in, in my mental picture, thinking two years, you know, nine months was more than I could have asked for. Say so the other thing that's interesting about your case is the amount of, well, the the type of communication you continued to have with your husband. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'd copy me on it blindly or send me a copy of it later. And it was always so kind. Your emails Mm. to him were so kind. They weren't filled with hostility or swears. (laughs) And I think that was really helpful. Well, you know, we had a little, some roadblocks along the way going through his lawyer on issues that weren't that important. And so those were times that I reached out and just was really reasonable about 
Yeah. You know, you have all of the contents pretty much of a 12 room house. Yeah. And, you know, I would really like that chair from my my parents' house in Washington, D.C. And most often it came back and he was really reasonable. And so I think it was two or three times where those roadblocks were broken just through direct communication, which which was I felt really good about. Well, both sides are motivated to conserve legal fees. So whatever you can handle directly amicably <laughs> is, is lovely. And it retains you know, a semblance of a relationship, even though a different one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think several times you were able to break through, just reach out to him directly and seem reasonable and fair. And one of the things I would advise people to do, I tried in my case, when I left the home and my husband called my cell, he said, where are you? And I said, I want a divorce and I've left the home. Mm-hmm. He was shocked. And I said that I really wanted, once the news sank in, to have a conversation. And the most important thing for me was to discuss this with our daughters, with as much of a unified, both of us need to move on, whatever language that we came up with together message, because we had such a a wonderful time raising them. And so he ended up not doing that, which I think was at the detriment to our daughters. So I think I would have done that much earlier and made it clear how important it was for our daughter's emotional well-being for us to see us as their parents together and moving in the way we parented them through the divorce together, giving the message, of course, that we love them. Right. Uh, that was certainly a good message. If you would have had been able to do it together, it would have been nice. Well, it would have been. Yeah. You said, when would you have done it sooner? What do you mean? Goodness, I guess I couldn't have because he I, I just left. I guess I would have emphasized how much that mattered to not only me, but to our daughters. And I, I probably would have asked him to please promise to do that. Yeah, to do it together. To do it together. But, you know, you you do have a lot of hindsight in, you know, what you could have done better or what you could have done worse. And I think that's what kind of led me to that third wheel, which is remain positive and, you know, think about the wonderful outcomes of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And certainly our daughters are are a big one. Uh, We also worked really hard together and we did save for their colleges and we did save a lot of money. And that was a really positive partnership Mm -hmm. that we had. And so we are both leaving the marriage whole in a way, Yes, at least financially. Yes. That's a good result. That's true. So you're a positive person anyway. So I try. Well, at least you that appeared that way to me. So was it hard to remain positive during the divorce? It was. It was. And that's when I reached out to friends. I still have a card from my best friend, Bob, that says there is light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that a real concerted effort to do self-care was really important to me. I was teaching remotely through some of the time, and that was very hard emotionally with young kids. So, Because you teach, what, five and six-year-olds, kindergarten? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, kindergarten, first and second. And in the way I was able to structure it for them, where they weren't on the screen very much and very active most of the day, it meant that I was on for seven and a half to eight hours a day on the computer. Yeah, so that was difficult at the same time. So I, I decided I joined a really good gym. I walked my dog for an over an hour every single morning, even though it meant I had to wake up at five. I ate really well and I made time for friends. And so I really had to work on that 
And I think that's part of getting over a long-term relationship as well, is really learn how to take good care of yourself and listen to your your moods uh, when I wasn't feeling positive, which you can't do all the time. Or, you know, if a call was difficult, you know, we were on some Zoom calls that were, were quite difficult, then to go do something to treat myself, <laughs> like buy that piece of China at yeah. Marshall's. <laughs> <laughs> right, little treats are good. Yeah. yeah. And that really kind of got me through it. And then realizing that I was doing the right thing, not just for myself, but for my former husband. Here he's dating and I'm so glad. And I just wish him all the happiness in the world. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, divorcing gives everybody another chance at happiness, but it also it comes obviously at a price and that you have to get divorced first. And then you end up on your own, which is where you wanted to be, or not at least not married anymore. Uh-huh. And, you know, getting through or past or figuring out how not to be lonely or how to live with loneliness or live alone is another part of the process. And I think that's huge. And I think that for the last real two years, I've been building a new life. And I think that's really exciting. I've, I bought a new home in Arlington. And of course, my work is immensely satisfying. And it's fun to make decisions on your own and do things that you need to do for yourself. And, and while it's really weird being alone, it's great. It's really great. And so if your listeners know that you'll come out on the other side and just try to be prepared and patient, positive, they'll make it through. Right. Yes. Well, I like, I see the smile on your face and I can hear how positive you are and it's worked out well for you that you're, you've definitely moved on and you're happy with the decisions you made. And I'm happy to see people move on to another chance at happiness themselves. Yeah. Thanks, Sendel. Good. Well, I think we've learned a lot today. Be prepared, be patient, and be positive from Jennifer, who's um, divorced about within the last year and has is moving on or has done a really good job at reorganizing her life and trying to get settled, make a new life for herself, a new chapter. Well, I'm really appreciative to you, Hindell. You've just given me the opportunity for a new life. So thanks so much. I appreciate that very much. All right. We've been talking to Jennifer, who is a former client and hopefully long-term friend of mine, about her experience divorcing. Thank you. Sassoon Simrod has attorneys who meet your dynamic needs, handling legal matters, including tax issues, real estate transactions, business law, and of course, divorce and post-divorce matters. I can be reached to the same number, 617-969-0069, but my email address has changed. It's now hgrossman at sassoonsimrod.com. Sassoon Simrod is spelled S-A-S-S-O-O-N-C-Y-M-R-O-T. Thanks for listening.